podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the weekly podcast you didn't know you always needed, and now you have. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm going to end it no matter what it takes. Whoa, Will, slow down. <laughs> I'm with you, Will. <laughs> I was the sad the thing that was saddest about not happening in this real in this episode for realsies was the Wharf Riker ten forward scene. <laughs> Where he's like no, uh, well, I was going st- <laughs> to spark a debate. I love. I think scene. I because that I agree with you on that. I think that that scene did happen. Oh, that was pre. Yeah, I think I went back and I was like, "Wait a minute, did that scene not happen?" Because that's really important character progression. I think that scene didn't happen. Maybe it did. I, I don't remember. All right. Well, we're going to get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it when we get into it. Yeah. Uh, but first, everyone should know the following question. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? (laughs) (laughs) The most concise review of all. I mean, it's like, there are things to like about it. And there are things to find annoying about it. You know, I would say if the whole thing happened, then yes. It really does all hinge on the 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 wharf Deanna stuff. And it's like uh, once that becomes an illusion, then it's like I don't, I don't know what the hell we're doing then. Um yeah, I mean murder mystery on the ship is interesting a little bit. Uh, Tuvok would have had a field day. Tuvok would have fucking nailed that. He would have solved it in twelve seconds. Probably not. But Detective Tuvok. De Tuvok. Uh let's now, the greatest of Tuvok in the world. <laughs> if you want to hear Andy and I talk about all of Tuvok's detectiving, you can join the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. But uh, that's not what we're here to do right now. We're here to go to the Admirals Club and see what uh, five-star wonders await us. Welcome to the Admirals Club. How do they get into the Admiral's Club? Well, through this door we just walked in. Oh. Well, that's simple. It's really very easy. <laughs> Our first five-star review. Our first person who like, walked in the door. Who walked in the door through that door. Um, uh, less doors than uh, there used to be. Or are we just, uh, we're just getting better at navigating around them. I mean, in fairness, <laughs> that one doesn't have the door sound attached to it right so I mean if anyone needs that then here go to iTunes leave a five star review and join the Admirals Club Matt how do they get into the Admirals Club <laughs> through that door Andy we just we just walked in oh right oh, yeah, that's right I got it and also leave, uh, a, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are listened uh, but I would just add, uh, you know, uh, spread the word. Uh, let your let your fr- your nerdy friends know. Um, 
or just Trek fans that are off, off like Maybe cool. you were waiting for like us to get deeper into the series before you recommended it. Well, guess what? Yeah, we're I mean, pretty deep. Just be sure of what you were getting. <laughs> um, okay, Nick Unicorn writes us uh, a review titled, I'll Never Get Those Seven Weeks Back. Um, <laughs> and continues, I found this podcast and started at the f- uh, first episode during a stressful stretch uh, my family went through in late December. Matt and Andy have kept me company through some long nights uh, and been my escape when I needed to check out during tough days. Thanks. I kept listening despite the Beverly bashing. I know it was bad writing, but she's still my favorite of the early seasons. Uh, It's only fitting that I finally caught up about the long-weighted and much maligned Sub Rosa episode. (laughs) Uh, Matt has changed my mind about Jellicoe, but not Pulaski. Uh, I've never wanted to see a podcast more than when Andy had his theory about Jeffy. <laughs> now that I'm an admiral, I guess uh, I'll have to go uh, pay to be a lieutenant. <laughs> or maybe the president. Uh, you, you would be the president. Sorry, Nick Unicorn. P.S. I'd really hoped Andy would have a girlfriend by now. I think well, we, we all would have hoped that. No, I look, I don't want to tamper with the brand, guys. You know? <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason I'm holding out. Oh, well, you know what? I appreciate your sacrifice. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> hey, no problem. Uh, what was the uh, what is what does uh, Nick Unicorn mean by uh, I've never wanted to see a podcast more than when Andy had his theory about Jeffy? Like that that Nick enjoyed the theory about Jeffy yes, or I, that, that they that were was a, that was a oh, positive okay, good, remark yeah. about Jeffy. Great. Um and what was my? <laughs> was it just that it's the existence <laughs> of Jeffy? That's all, right? Which was true. Well, it was before, but <laughs> right. Um, it, but my my uh, that predated my knowledge of Jeffy of uh, before, right? Um, that was before Jeffy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, Nick, and uh, I hope things are looking a little brighter for you. And um, I'm glad that we could be of any use in our ridiculousness um richie l215 writes an excellent star trek podcast i've listened to many a star trek podcast but sdtnc is hands down the very best one andy and matt effectively blur the line between loving star trek and all it stands for while cleverly critiquing and debating the episodes with an abundance of humor their credibility is bolstered by the fact that they're both television writers and performers. Trust me, past performance is indicative of future results. If you like Trek, you won't go wrong with TNC, and that's no shale. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he must be in the president's circle if he's talking shale. Well, that's, that's at the lieutenant's level. That's enterprise action right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, thanks. Uh, am I seeing double two? Am I seeing double two episodes of this month? Uh, I think we're already over it, right? Oh yeah. Uh, from AMFM twenty. Jordy LeFebvre kicks Wait, into warp. Is that that was a that was a? Is this still an admiral's review? Yes. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Why? What? What did I do wrong? <laughs> it just sounded like a hail it, it, for some reason to me, and the way you worded it or it was worded sounded like it was a hail. At the top of the hill. Yeah. Uh, no, it's still a review. Okay. Uh, although people often will try and slip through hails by putting them in <laughs> reviews. That's just like, you know, that's just, ca- it's on a. Look, anyway, you gotta game the system. That's just piggybacking on a carrier signal that's undetected by the sensors. I mean, you gotta <laughs> do what you gotta exactly do. Exactly right. Yeah. 
Um, Jordi LeFebvre uh, kicks into warp six with not one but two TNC episodes this month. I don't know how Matt and Andy uh, edited these pods down from their original five-hour times, but they did. Sending this to Federation authorities in the hope their speeding doesn't destroy the galaxy before all good things comes to an end. Uh, P.S. Keep up the good work, lads. Thank sounds you. Sounds like that's a that's a Brit right there, but it might just be someone with a, with a, an Anglophile spin. Thank you, AMFM20. That's it for the... Yep. Admiral's Club. And that was the Admiral's Club. The United Federation of Planets President Circle. everybody welcome to the president's circle it's a wonderful place you could be here too all you gotta do is head over to patreon.com forward slash star trek tnc and get yourself a butt ton of podcasts that's right right now currently happening in there andy and i are doing eight new episodes every month (laughs) it's weird when i say it out loud (laughs) But it's happening. That's, that's eight additional episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's four episodes. <laughs> We're talking about Picard every week it comes out. We're talking about Voyager. We're talking about Enterprise. We're talking about Disco. It's a Star Trek mega jam in there. Come on over. Join us. Uh, and you it could It seems be... to have been successful enough that I'm at least... Uh... Uh, at least talking to Matt. We'll see what, what we feel like later. Uh, maybe continuing with the... With the pattern of when new Trek comes out, just watching week to week, however many episodes that is per month. It is it is a lot. But, Since it seems you know. like that's something you guys are interested in. At least with Picard, we'll see. At least with Picard. That's what we all say. At uh, least with Picard. But Andy, uh, you like to select a great message every time we walk on in here to get the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Who's getting it this week? I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, I would say, self-created, con- self-created controversy. <laughs> controversy that I have summoned out of nothing. <laughs> in, um, in, uh, with all the mores, there's a, the more crisis in, uh, in the Patreon. Because we have a Cosmo more and, uh, and we have a Josh more. Sure. Um, who are both we discovered fans of the show, Star Trek fans, and both legally blind. If this was a holodeck now, episode and it happened in the ancient West, we could call this a few datas more. It's true. Um and uh it was uh, hilarious. They're best friends now, it's a lot of good has come out of it. However, I made a further error <laughs> in the last episode. And so if you play the uh, voice hail, uh it will explain. Hey, this is Josh Moore, <laughs> not Cosmo Moore, and not Joe Moore. Andy, you got my name wrong again. It wasn't Cosmo <laughs> and Joe. It was Cosmo and me. <laughs> I think you have more blindness, which is a bit ironic given the circumstances. Also, I want to talk to Matt about this idea of eliminating the more lineage in a Terminator style fashion? 
I, I don't think he's considered the consequences of this. I mean, Star Trek has had multiple time travel scenarios that have explored this question, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it looks like we're about to get more of that in Picard. More. But I, wa- I want to take right. it a little bit closer. tries to get more on every time he can. <laughs> I want to really hit him in the heart. <laughs> what if by doing this, uh-huh. you rid the world of Roger Moore? Sorry, that, that would affect the James Bond franchise. It could potentially even affect your friendship with Matthew Gourley. That's true. Yeah. Think of the consequences, Matt. It's too many consequences. Don't commit more genocide. Look, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Bye. Yeah, of course. Uh, and Matt Gourley being the I'm only friendship saying, that he cares about I'm certainly simply, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't worry about ours. Uh, I, I, look, I'll just suggest... Yeah, you guys just adopt. <laughs> Give him the last name. Carry on, but stop passing on the eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they they have fine qualities. <laughs> I've you know there it doesn't you know look at uh, look at Jordy. Look. Uh, how many how many times would the uh, the the Enterprise been in hot soup if it wasn't for Jordy? Well, I mean, you're just discounting Biff Yeager's contributions in the first. And well, second Biff season. Yeager was essential. <laughs> um, any any of the fan letters that he wrote up himself would tell you that. <laughs> what are they all in the same <laughs> handwriting? <laughs> like all postmarked from like nine zero zero three six. I tell you something else. This guy, Biff Yeager, you need him on your show. You need to give him more lines, not just under fives. Um, uh, Josh also had a uh, a little uh, uh, written hail follow up that uh, he said the the first part of this is uh, followed my voicemail. I mentioned Roger Moore's potential loss in the Moore genocide. I failed to recognize Star Trek's own Ronald Moore. <laughs> I mean, so by Matt suggesting uh, rid of the world a little more lineage, he's gambling on his nerdy world being destroyed in the process. Ron Moore and and Ronald D. Moore, both were yeah. on Star Trek. Oh, those are two different people. Two Interesting. Different people. He said Ronald Moore. I assume he meant Ronald D. Moore. Who's Ron Moore? Uh, I believe he's an effects. Uh, oh wow! Department guy. Um. And uh, so, and I looked it up, FYI, we not only have a Cosmo Moore in the Patreon, a Josh Moore, and a Joe Moore, we also have a Carl Moore. So, <laughs> shout out to all you Moores in the Patreon. Um, let's get more in there. I did a pun, guys, and I understood it because I said it. But, uh, um, you got a Josh Moore and a Joe Moore. Of course I can't keep you straight. Who knows? There's too many. Now I'm on your side, Matt. Anyway, that's it for the uh, for that. Uh, open up the priority one messages. Uh, that would be these messages. Be right back, Captain. Incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. What are the folks saying about the previous episode we watched, which was, of course, masks? MST three Katie says, "I have always liked masks. Never understood the hate." There's been a couple of people who've written in with that perspective, which uh, I thought was... Did uh, they, uh, obviously, they also wrote, but I changed my tune after hearing you and Matt discuss it. Some of them do say, nice. your points are valid, <laughs> I still had an affection, blah, blah, blah. Eric Peebles says, it's cool the probe gives you an out if you put on its little Christmas pageant. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> really funny way of framing uh, that's it. really funny cam writes uh so what was this probe meant to do it turns into it turns spaceships into a city why <laughs> these people were obviously very advanced because they had technology that could turn a spaceship into a rock so why not just have a probe that says hi right, we're dead now here's all our stuff or do what Picard Cayman probe, the Picard Cayman probe thing did. What purpose does turning the ship into a rock serve? What's the goal? Uh, Ihat, Ihat, Masaka, mm-hmm. Masaka, uh, etc. Turn up inside data. Who later uh, says later there were thousands more, more. Uh, okay, so did the alien computer just have all of that programmed in there on the off chance that one day the probe would find an android to take over? If they took him over by accident, what were they supposed to do? I guess you could say the aliens were Darmok-like and had a communication or a thought pattern different to humans, but it's a long... Hmm, bow? Uh, and even then it would still make more sense just to have a recorded message to decode or something. As it is, you just get aliens turning ships into rocks at random without anyone knowing why. Way to keep your memory alive, I guess. <laughs> what if the asteroid like was a previous starship? That had already been turned into yeah. the rocks. Interesting. Yeah. And maybe all the the weirdness was kind of... was just like mistakes because it was the, the copying had already happened and like that, like a, that ship was finally going to be saved and spared but the Enterprise oh, yeah. thwarted it <laughs> yeah I feel like that exists in Star Trek things where it's like almost like an it follows situation where it's like uh, okay well you take this curse now I'm going to leave oh yeah for sure I can't think of one off the hand me either but I'm agreeing with you Nursagawa's fifth line, cue the music, uh, says, uh, so I think I'm in the minority. Here we go. There's another one. And that I really like this episode when it aired. This could definitely be related to the fact that I was a pretentious university student studying English lit and symbolism and mythology were everything to me at the time. Having listened to the pod, I definitely see holes in it now. But there is still a fondness in my heart for this episode. Also, I love the idea of the Corgano Halloween costume. (laughs) Kamaraki, DS9 or bust. We're almost there, Kamaraki. Uh, says, 87 million years ago, Alien 1. This was happened 87 million years ago. Alien 1. Sir, we programmed the probe to upload the entire cultural archive to any ships it may encounter in space. Our civilization has been secured forever. Alien 2. What? Is that all it does? <laughs> it needs to do something more. Alien 1. More? Like what? Alien 2. Hmm. Have you ever seen the children's game show Legends of the Hidden Temple? Have it turned ships into the set on that show? <laughs> Just, the data becomes Olmec. <laughs> uh, the shrine of the silver monkeys. <laughs> oh, as a fan. Jeffrey's Hologram writes, So, uh, a while back, I used an AI writing program. I thought this was fascinating. To rewrite this episode, and it suggested giving everyone an alternative personality. Data was only the trickster. Uh, Worf played the elderly father. Will was a fearful lover. Geordi became a blind seer. Everyone slowly merged with their alternative identity, except Crusher, who was unaffected due to a level 9 quarantine field. Tech babble. Anyway, the AI uh, also turned the city into an amalgamation of various ships, 
which has been transformed and achieved an enterprise was slowly transformed into a stone and wood so it was losing air until the day was saved ha 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 um, anyway I had a fun time rewriting this episode especially seeing what the AI program suggested happened in the plot I mean that's I tell you, pretty cool those all sound like reasonable changes it certainly would not have made the episode worse I think it also would have it would have lightened the load on Brent Spiner and it would have given everybody a, an interesting weird thing to play I, you know I like also I like a crusher the only one left over yeah that's the way most of these plots usually happen, is that one person is racing to save everybody mm-hmm. else. And I think it would have increased the tension. Although it was also nice <laughs> watching them slowly dissect what the meaning on the walls was for <laughs> several scenes. Um, Lieutenant Royale writes, fun fact, Masaka. And then he has Masaka. The, uh, Masaka. Uh, Masaka in Japanese translates to quote unexpected or quote unbelievable but if you've watched enough through anime or japanese films it's the go-to exclamation when a villain reveals their plan or the big twist is revealed (laughs) so much so it is its own little meme uh also the only thing i could think uh also the only thing i could think of through the whole episode (laughs) that's really funny the saka so is it just sort of like i can't i can't believe it that's what the it's used as yeah Kind of like that. We should incorporate that into our daily lives. Done. Masaka. Uh, Lieutenant Tobias writes, what would each one of your symbols look like? What meaning would they have? Neil Studd already. <laughs> Neil Studd. And then he has in parentheses, more. <laughs> He's adding more to his name. Um, says, uh, two overlapping pizzas. One good on top of one bad. <laughs> Matt, any thoughts? I think that that's a great one. I would probably um, adopt like uh, mine would be like I think a pillow, and on that pillow was a was like a chicken parm. Yeah, because quite frankly, I'd like to eat the chicken parm and go to sleep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It would definitely. I like the pizza one because it would definitely the logical thing would be uh, a meal that is being consumed maybe one a person like a sort of stick figure of a person with like one meal in their stomach a full meal in their stomach and another meal that the full meal that they're eating it's like a russian nesting doll of meals <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah there you go nice. nice andy tubbs writes i actually another one i actually like masks i was nine when it aired and i have such an imagination that my parents have often described me as becoming lost in andy land Ooh. um Andyland is definitely something I thought of before. <laughs> Maybe couldn't get other people to go along with it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not a good episode, but the mythology of it tickled my brain as a kid, and seeing Spiner ham it up was fun. Anyone else wonder what space New Mexico was really like if their mythology uh, was so ancient-feeling, but their technology advanced and powerful enough to remake their city on a starship? Maybe it's best not to think about to think too hard about masks. Oh, I think it was like... I think... I think what that was was like one of the many probes that they sent out. Right. And that one happened to contain their like religious texts. Right. Or, or you know, it'd be like if we sent out probes and like one of them contained Homer's Iliad. Right. What are we putting out on the probes these days? Are we not sending any probes out? Right now we're, uh, we're busy. 
Right. We're Busy trying to elsewhere. stop the earth from, <laughs> from completely falling apart. Uh, Dan Stacco writes, to answer Andy's confusion about this episode coming from the Alps, at the time of the episode, the writer Joe Minoski was living in Europe and still submitting TNG, DS9, and Voyager scripts on a freelance basis. That's a sweet gig. He got to not be in the writer's room for an endless amount of hours a day and just say, hey, here's another one. Here's another insane one that I just came up with on acid. I love it. That's yeah. like, that seems like the best of both worlds, but impossible for me to have because I don't think I'd ever do the work. Um, hire me for your when you, whenever any of you out there get a show, please hire me to just write a script and come in one week. <laughs> My script is about how Lieutenant Commander Argyle saves the day in engineering, <laughs> and I won't change a word. <laughs> Uh, Alex Jahans writes, here's the second to last episode of TNG I skipped. I knew of the episode by reputation and decided it wasn't for me. Uh, apparently, Brent Spiner was filming to thine own self when he was suddenly told he had to prep all these different character performances for masks on a tight schedule. So there was no, quote, Brent has a big episode coming up. We best give him time to rehearse and prepare, unquote. Incidentally, you should see his acting in the episode he did of the TV show Leverage. He can be so great when time and script doesn't bring him bring out the ham in him. Um, in fairness to his performance in Masks, I feel like the hamminess is appropriate in this episode because he's, he was handed an insane episode. Um, but it would be interesting to see if he's like, okay, we're giving it two weeks. We have a Daylight episode. Could have a couple of data light episodes to really make this count. That would have been different. <clears throat> Lieutenant Roberto writes, uh, I think we need to see a show of the mask comet converting everything on a Pakleds or a Klingon ship. Watch them lose their minds over everything. <laughs> Sounds like a great plan. I'd sign up for that. <laughs> um, okay, I already read this one. Uh, and lastly... Um, Lieutenant Tess writes, uh, the boy in the teaser says he connects, quote, flying to birds and then is disappointed in his sculpture of a flightless bird. <laughs> it's true. The kid at the, the beginning that, 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 uh, oh, that busy with a penguin, <laughs> yeah. sort of a penguin. We think it was a oh, penguin. Yeah, Could was, have been an yeah. eagle and he's just that bad. He says that's what he thinks about. He's just bad. Deanna was lying to him, and uh, you should. Sometimes it's okay to give a, an appropriate note, <laughs> build up a, a thicker skin. Uh, that's it for the priority one messages. If you would open up the hail bag, I will happily open up the mailbag slash hail bag slash. We've got to exit the president's circle. Sounds gonna play on the way out. Keep walking. Don't worry about it. Keep walking. Keep walking, everybody. Gotta keep walking. Excuse us. Excuse us. Thank you. All right. Matt. We should open up the hail bag. Uh, is that what the next thing we we do is? Well, I mean. Didn't we already do we it? We haven't done that yet. Oh. But, you know. All right. We have one more. Um, Wild. And it, look. Last week, we had a ton of hails 
you know, I'm not picking every hail that comes in. I'm picking the ones that I think are pertinent. Andy, you're but explaining yourself more than you need to. I think it's fine. I guess I'm I just saying you're, you're, I'm you're trying to keep it balanced. A bunch of stuff, and uh, you're doing a great job. I'm trying to keep it balanced. If there aren't as many hails in the regular hail bag, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, don't worry about it. Uh, um, the uh, anyway, a Fibo wrote us. Mm-hmm. Um, hey Andy, you've probably had a bazillion emails sharing this information. I uh, just want to make sure you inform Matt that Kirk's Enterprise went back in time by slingshotting around a star at least three times in TOS in the episodes The Naked Time, Tomorrow's Yesterday, and Assignment Earth. Well, this is Picard related. Yes. Oh, but I think we talked about it here, didn't we? No. It's okay. Then. I understand. We're doing a lot but, of podcasts. No, no. It's all blurring together. No, no. I, I, I screwed up. It's all blurring I'll together. move it over to the Picard podcast. No, because uh, then you're going to read it there, and I'll be like, didn't we already read this on the Picard episode? <laughs> yeah, and then it. I'll say, yeah, and then you said I was reading in the wrong podcast, yeah, and, and then uh, it'll so be, I moved it over. You know what? Let's just agree that uh, we'll never get it all straight. We're, we're not, uh, I would say we're, it's two type Bs trying to do a type A job. I think the main thing I'm realizing is I if if it's gone off if it's gone off the rails and I missed something, which is what happened here, I was like, Oh, I forgot that thing and I wanna give him I wanna give that person his say, uh, don't try and correct it. You've missed your opportunity to prep, prepare for the show and just move on. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? Well, I think what we're gonna do today, we're Andy artists, guys. We're not sound engineers. We're gonna talk about another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. Eye of the Beholder. Right? Hailing frequencies are closed? Yeah, they're closed. Uh, if you would like to... Hailing frequencies closed, sir. If you'd like to send a hail, send it to sdtncpod at gmail.com, or you can join the Patreon um, for our Priority One messages. If you'd like to tweet at Matt, he's at Matt Myra. That's his Instagram, too. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. My Twitter... Tweeter... <laughs> as I call it, is at Secunda. <laughs> uh, and if you like to send a voice hail, call it in at 816-TREK-TNC. All right. Thanks, Andy. Now we'll talk about Go this up. week's episode. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hands made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. That's right, everybody. We're going to talk about this week's episode, which is uh, the Eye of the Beholder, which was uh, aired uh, February twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four. Did it? <laughs> yep, that was it. <laughs> just again going by the fact that two weeks ago I remember us doing February fourteenth, so I just keep adding seven. That's the magic of weeks, everybody. February fourteenth. <laughs> February twenty eighth isn't seven. No, but last week was February twenty first. Oh, uh, but I only the only one I remembered was the fact that one of them was Valentine's Day. Oh, I see. You've added two since. You've yeah, added two weeks since I've done a great job. Gotcha. Right. Thanks, everybody. All right, great show. I give it ten Andes. <laughs> I certainly did the best job in the hail back. Disengage. <laughs> uh, this episode aired then twenty eighth of ninety four. And uh, what was going on in the world, Andy? Matt, the number one song in the U.S. was The Power of Love by Celine Dion. Mm. Number one song in the U.K. was Without You by Mariah Carey. 
Interesting. And I believe you had something else. I was like, let's just change it up and go with the modern rock charts and see what was number one back then. 94, a lot of interesting alternative music coming out, as it were. And uh, it turns out number one that week for seven weeks total. When I Come Around by Green Day. This was more my speed back in the day. Not anymore? No, no, I'm just meaning like what I was listening to. Rather than Celine Dion. Or Mariah Carey, not a diva fan? No, I mean, they. I was, but also I was like, I was more into a guitar-driven music. That's reasonable, given your the, the, the wall behind you. Uh, number one movie on Deadly Ground hangs in there. <laughs> Good job, Seagal. Number one book, Accident by Daniel Steele. Number one TV show that week, Roseanne. First that week, singer Justin Bieber. Deaths that week, actor John Candy. Oh. Events, yeah, sad. Nirvana plays their final concert in While Munich, shooting Germany. Wagons East. What's that? What do you mean? That was the movie John Candy was making when he passed. Oh, oh, John Candy. Wagons, Wagons East with uh, Richard Lewis. Oh, did they have to cut around it a lot, or is he prevalent in it? Or did you never see it? I, didn't think, I don't think I ever watched it. But I remember the movie because it seemed like a. I probably would have seen it had he lived. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's no way they finished it. I'm not going to watch it. Even as a kid, you would have had that awareness? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that all that was happening? Are we done? Yeah, we're done. Wow. Okay. Uh, what about Frank? Frank Sinatra, come Frank? on! Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Andy, what uh, was happening with old Blue Eyes that week? I'll tell you, Matt. Whoa, so why didn't whoa. You what happened? Whoa, 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 Frank, calm down. Uh, This week, Frank was honored at the 1994 Grammys with a Living Legend Award. Bono gave a long introduction, and then Frank launched into his uh, acceptance speech. Oh, I remember this. CBS cut him off in the middle of talking to go to commercial, angering many. You don't cut off Frank! Later in the show, Billy Joel performed River Dreams, and in the middle of the song, suddenly stopped, looked silently at his watch for a while. And then quietly said into the microphone, valuable advertising time going by, valuable advertising time going by, dollars, dollars, dollars. I remember that. Having made his point, he finished the song. Billy knows you don't mess with the chairman. (laughs) Sure. I love it. Um, I mean, the poor director. What was he going to do? He's doing a show. (laughs) Yeah, but it was live. Yeah. So, like, go to your fucking break after Sinatra's done. Yeah. It is. It is a weird thing to uh, have a living legend award being awarded, and they'd be like, "All right, enough." All I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. All right. Before we get another. Copyright strike. Let's you cut off Frank. Uh, yeah, I did because I want you all to go purchase his music or listen to it on Spotify. Enjoy yourselves wherever your music is listened. Uh, 
Eye of the Beholder. Teleplay by Renee Echevarria. Story by Brandon Braga. Directed by Cliff Bowl. And here is the explanation of what this episode is about from Memory Alpha. Counselor Troy's investigation into the suicide of a crewman suggests a murder was committed aboard the Enterprise while it was being built, and that the murderer is still aboard! Pretty cool, huh? That's it. Well, what did you think of the episode, Andy? I like... It should come as no surprise to anyone. I like the uh, Worf Deanna stuff. Sure. Well, it's character. And I like the Worf uh, Riker stuff. Not the the non you know the non murdery stuff the non murdery stuff what do you mean yes. you didn't you didn't which like is, when troy murdered which is Morph? my new csi show that i'm working on oh i don't think it's gonna sell well whatever we'll no, see no, no i i think i know what cbs CSI is looking for stuff <laughs> well, i don't know why and why wouldn't they're looking for people to solve things every week I think they like the world. No, they so want to wrap it up see. in a nice bow. Uh, they see the, the guy who signs people in at the front. <laughs> they want to see the guy that sells people sunglasses. See, so CSI administration, that's your show? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right, let's uh, take a start here. We are losing containment in the starboard nacelle tube. Try to get more power to the field coils. Aye, sir. There's the forge report. I can't shut down the plasma injectors. Somebody's locked out the controls. Damn it, Argyle! Where are you? <laughs> the plasma venting You said you didn't need me. <laughs> Two more decks. Riker to bridge. We've almost reached the nacelle too. Acknowledge. Release the exterior hull plate. Then they have to jettison the core. Aye, sir. You're telling me when you're jettisoning the core of a galaxy-class starship, the hull plate doesn't just come away when you <laughs> tell it to eject the core? Do you think they ever eject the core and it just goes, ding, and hits the hull plate? <laughs> just goes, oh, no! Damn it! Damn it, Data! I told you, we're ejecting the core. Yes, sir, but you didn't give the order to remove the hull plate. <laughs> What happened? He locked out the controls. Before he knew what was happening, he stepped up onto the walkway. See if you can help shut down the plasma flow. So this lady wasn't involved in the, in the thing. Correct. She was she was just a misdirection. Yes. She's clearly a red herring, suspiciously. If you will. She had fooled me. Hard not he to acts. be suspicious when you have a nose that matches your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I've made this mistake before. What if that's her actual face? <laughs> Dan, it's me. It's Will Riker. Your best friend. Remember me from the other day? I was here yesterday, remember? I didn't want to do it. But I saw them. And they laughed at me. They laughed. Whatever happened, we can talk about it. I want to help. Stay away. 
I just want to see your face. That's all. So we can talk. That's a good approach. I know what I have to do. I feel like this distance, yeah, no. he could have easily I tackled him. Well, I mean, what if he did? See, I think they put they deliberately cast someone who uh, has a build similar to to um, Riker. Riker, because you don't know, he could have been overpowered. They could both wind up going in. Yeah, so but Riker would be afraid know, of that. Riker probably could have just done one quick fist. You know, what do they call it? Would have been hilarious if they sent up. Yeah, they sent up Worf and Worf. Is like just kills him and just like there. I stopped him from jumping in. <laughs> he will not be jumping. <laughs> Worf, what'd you do? I cut his legs off with my batlow. <laughs> the controls. He will Shut live. Procedure initiated. There's still plasma in the injector. It'll take time to vent off. Do you have a cold? Tell me what happened. No, it's just my nose. Maybe I can help. <laughs> I know what I have to do. Now why? Look, not a great force field, as we had just saw. Just oh yeah, it was the worst force field I've ever seen. Why did the echo? It's like a it's like a, a psychic echo that made this happen. Is that the final analysis? Yeah, I think so. What happened was, I got to assume he was imagining the same thing Troy was imagining. But rather than it's like being in the Worf, mind of the killer, he was imagining it with his his uh, doctor girlfriend. Right. He's sort of like in a it's sort of a manhunter episode. I assume they were influenced by definitely the manhunter episode yet. A red dragon for those who, who read the book, which Ever, was also any, excellent. Any big Thomas Harrison fans out there? Did you like that, Matt? Right into our show. Did you read the books? I did, actually. Believe it, it or so not. so good. I remember reading Silence of the Lambs before it came out in script form. Uh-huh. And I was just like, holy crap. Oh, you crap, read the script? This is the greatest not thing. the yeah. book? Or did you read the book and then the script? I read the script first, then I read the book, uh-huh. and I loved them both. And then were you like, oh, wait a second. This is a sequel. And then you had to go back. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, I think I think I had already seen Manhunter, uh-huh. and I liked it okay, but I liked it more after I had sort of, you know, read both books and and seen Silence of the Lambs. Um, I'm sorry for that digression. So, um, you, so it's a, if it's a psychic echo, I guess. Care you went on that digression? You loved it. I really did. I just saw. It's like, oh man, I'm going to drive this right off the tracks. <laughs> um. So I guess my question is, if the, it's probably explained this at the end and I just missed it, the the psychic echo is what makes everybody keep experiencing this. Why does the guy kill himself though? Is that Ensign Quan or whatever his name is, um, sort of sh- like becoming himself again and going like, "Well, I can't handle that I killed someone because I'm not a I'm not a killer," I, or is I, that the I, original guy? I think it's a suggestion from the original guy. So why is he doing that? Meaning, like, because he's... Is he covering his tracks? Yes, I think any... I think... He, like... He, didn't, me, he, he doesn't want them to have the psychic echo, and then once it starts happening, he's like, i got to get rid of yeah, this. Yeah, I better let them know that the only way out is to kill themselves. <laughs> Although he seems to be doing it in a 
sadistic way with Deanna. But maybe that's just because she was kind of challenging him. I mean, maybe he's just a murderer. What? He doesn't seem like... He seems like a pretty good guy. Look, I mean, that's what we all said about... Uh, Suter. Suter, you know? Everybody's favorite, everybody's <laughs> favorite guy. It was not guy. your fault. It was strange. I felt as if he didn't even recognize me. I mean, how do you not recognize Will Riker? Just the other day when I supervised the two briefing. How did he seem then? Fine. I complimented him on getting the refit done faster than expected. He was pleased that I'd noticed. I'm a pretty good supervisor. During the crew evaluations, he was very positive. He was looking forward to being posted to the nacelle tube. He was a good officer with a fine career ahead of him. Is that a sad? All the best officers start in the nacelle tubes. Is that a sad thing to aspire to? Or do you think on this ship it's just like, holy crap, you got the nacelle tube. Seems like that would be a, that would be frightened to be posted in the nacelle tube. I mean, you're certainly always a target. <laughs> yeah. Whenever any ship comes in, they're going to fire at that. It's very vulnerable. In my years as a Starfleet captain, I've had to... Notify many parents of the loss of loved ones, but never before the suicide. I would like to be able to offer Lieutenant Quan's parents some explanation of what happened to try to help them make sense of this. Well, maybe he left a message of some kind explaining why he did it. I would like the two of you to piece together a picture of his last few days. If he made Not any you, Will. Logs, it might be helpful to look through them. You're authorized to do so. What if they seem too personal? Forge to Captain. Go ahead. I've just finished my damage assessment. We should be able to get underway, I'd say, within the hour. Mr. Forge, the medical situation on Barson 2 has worsened. Starfleet has given us permission to exceed warp speed limitations so as to get back on schedule. We'll be able to give you warp aid if we need it. Acknowledge. What about nine? What if I need nine? <laughs> Argyle! Would you agree that the instinct for self-preservation... I'll destroy as much of the universe as you need, Captain. If you need warp 10, you tell me. Uh, Did you like when Data folded his arms to mimic Geordi? I did. Very much so. Something that he felt powerless to fix. I believe I understand. I have been in a similar situation. Really? The first months following my activation were a difficult period for me. There were many problems associated with my becoming sentient. Because your neural net was still forming. As I acquired new skills, neural pathways would form, replacing other, less complex pathways. It was very disorienting. I bet. As my systems grew in complexity, it became increasingly difficult to integrate new pathways into my existing neural net. The probability of cascade failure grew with each additional pathway. I came to the conclusion it would be safer and easier to shut myself down and start again. Yeah, but if you had done that, you wouldn't have remembered any of the things that had happened to you. In a way, it would have been like committing suicide. So what did you do? I decided against the procedure. 
I chose instead to treat the problems I was having with my systems as challenges to overcome, rather than obstacles to be avoided. It's a great way to look at it, Data. I only wish Lieutenant Kwan had been able to look at his problems the same way. Lieutenant Kwan, I apologize, I called him Ensign. Sorry, Lieutenant Kwan, that wasn't respectful. Junior grade. <clears throat> it's funny in that scene uh, when uh, Data's talking about his Navy neural net. His mother. And uh, Jordy's was like, yeah, I bet. Like this is this is right up Jordy's alley. <laughs> it's like sex. To, it's like a. It's like a. Tell yeah. me more about them beeps and boops. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sex talk to Jordy. Yes, it is strange to think that someone could have considered ending his life, and yet give no outward sign. I like that of all the quarters we've ever seen, his is the most coherently decorated. Calm. It's true. He must have been in a lot of pain to do what he did. Like the painting matches and the it chair the and the and the, uh, the relief. Felt like yeah. a great relief. He didn't make his bed though. This is Ensign Calloway, isn't what it? What a monster! Yes, she is a medical technician in sick bay. It's always hard to lose someone you care about, but to lose them like this. Oh, see, okay. Before everybody has already written in about our error okay. that we just made. All right. About 25 minutes ago. Okay. Reading this, what I've come to surmise yeah. <laughs> is that uh, Lieutenant Pierce, 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 okay. the weird guy, yeah. uh, he, uh, he killed himself. You mean he's imaginary? Meaning he isn't serving on the Enterprise and killed himself back then. So oh, is that what it is? The psychic echo that they're reliving is his state of mind and him killing so himself. So when they find him in the system and say he's been on the ship, that's all part of the Troy, illusion? That's all part of Troy's illusion. Oh, wow. Confusing. A bit. I see. So, there you go. Crazy. I'm sure people are... So, the the tete-a-tete with, uh, or whatever it's called, the, you know, sort of mano-a-mano with uh, with uh, Deanna and that, and Pierce, that's just in her head? Yes. When he's being all snotty to her? Yes. That's a weird turn. That's a weird writing choice. Well, I mean, it does make sense in the sense of, like, how why they why he jumped in the stream and why she was going to jump in the stream because he jumped in the stream and the psychic uh-huh. impression was that that cycle yeah kills them can't live with himself kills himself right we should check his personal logs This is his last entry. He made it before going on duty this morning. Personal log, stardate 47622.1. We finally finished the nacelle tube refit last night. This is a After real good in a row, forehead prosthetic. Really looking forward to spending some time with Maddie. They did on Quan. And the other it's lady. The, the eyebrow... That doesn't <laughs> sound like a man who's planning on taking eyebrow his nose own life. No, no, it does not.
baby's really gone. I keep thinking he's going to show up and tell me there's been some kind of terrible misunderstanding. It's always the kind of prank he was pulling. In his... <laughs> Uh, I laughed so hard at Andy's joke. I left the episode. When will we be posted in the nacelle tube, Matt? <laughs> Someday I, I'm gonna podcast for the nacelle tube. <laughs> the uh, with the with the warp core, would the sounds be louder in there? Oh, Is I that think not the way it works. Uh, I think it's a different. You're farther sound from the there. warp core. I think core, it's a right? different sound. When was the last there, time you yeah. saw him? It's probably a higher pitched ween. Two nights ago. Yeah. We were planning our next shore leave together. Did he mention anything that had happened recently? Anything that might have upset him? No, not really. He did say something about work. About Lieutenant Nara, but it wasn't anything serious. Nara? She's his superior in the nacelle tube? Yes. Dan sensed that she... Well, that she felt threatened by him. That she thought he was after her position. Was he prone to mood swings or depression? No. But he was very sensitive to other people's moods. <laughs> he used to look at me and know exactly what I was feeling. I always loved that about him. Well, Napians are partially empathic. Are you kidding me? He said that it was a special connection that we had. <laughs> that motherfucker. I had a, uh... I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> I thought I had a something big for this lady. There's a couple of people in this episode that I was like, oh, I got a something big for them. And then I look and they're like, they're like, some of these actors are just, they've been working since then constantly, little parts all through the years, just really impressive journeyman actor careers, not necessarily hitting it big, but just perpetually working. And there's some people, and I think she was one of them, who's just like, had like four or five roles, small roles, and it was just like, fuck this, and like left show business. Those are the true heroes. <laughs> he used to tease me that when I met her, I wouldn't be able to get away with anything. I always Dan enraged. and I knew each other for over two years. I was enraged at that. But we didn't get together until a few months ago. We took it slow. He thought we had all the time in the world. Two years is slow. Something must have happened to him, counselor. Not when you're focused on getting Something posted in the cell. It's not- <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> it takes time, man. Yeah. So up until everything till this moment, is this where she gets the first burst of vision? Well, I think this was the confusion. Because yes, it's this. It's this moment. I think she does this twice, though. No, wait. This isn't the moment. I don't think. This is the thing. Uh, I think the moment is later because this moment is when she first has the uh, feeling. Yes, it's, it's the moment. Change. It's nineteen minutes in. Guess right, right. He yes. was a good man. It's when she asked Worf to open the door. Did for you notice any the, whatever change it is. in his behavior recently? The shield. No. I've been going over the last few days in my mind, trying to see if I if I missed any warning signs. Good performance from this lady, too. It's as if something inside him just snapped. How was his job performance? Excellent. He knew this ship better than most people, probably because he helped build it back at Utopia Planitia. Did he get along with his co-workers? He was ambitious. He came in here with all sorts of new ideas about how to do things, some of them very good ideas. 
But not all. No. But after he settled in... Yeah. So him, him also being at Utopia Planitia... Well, is. that was a thing that I missed before, and that's even more confusing. So Pierce and him work together at Utopia Planitia... Pierce kills, sees this thing and kills himself, mm-hmm. and this guy then plays out the same scenario later? That seems like that would be poor story planning. They should have just had the Echo work separately from him having been a Utopia Planitia. I agree, because then he would just... Because he would recognize the people. Right. And I know what happened. I mean, I guess the idea is it sort of just overtakes him, but I don't even know why you would make that connection. Of him working at Utopia Planitia too. Hmm. Fine job by Certus, as usual, being asked to. She is suddenly react to a bunch of things that are the aren't oysters there. suddenly didn't agree with her and action. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I always think about these scenes. <laughs> Do the oysters I recently had agree with me or disagree? And depending on the intensity that's required by the script, I decide how bad the oysters had gone. Did I put any Tabasco on it? Fear, rage, had I eaten panic. anything else that day before I ate the oysters? didn't seem to be coming from any person. They were just there in the room. Was it the opening volley in a large seafood meal? Or was it... I've scanned the area. I found no anomalous readings. How could you get an empathic When are we going to get our Mastro's meal, Matt? I don't know. Could the fact that Lieutenant Kwan was partially empathic have anything to do with it? What do you mean? I'm not I don't sure, know. but certainly the feelings are they open? Do they do business anymore? I haven't been to that side of town in two years. But honestly, the reason I thought about it was because I thought, oh, Matt, we should go and get that that uh, the seafood tower at, Ma- at uh, Mastro's. And then I thought, hey, you owe me a Mastro's. I do, yeah. <laughs> From I don't probably know. the first seven episodes of the podcast. Who knows? <laughs> it, was fr- it was from you covering my episode on season five of Goldberg's. Oh, is that what it was for? That was, I mean, maybe I owe you two. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, at this point, I'm sure it all balances out. But. I don't see how. But if I went back to the nacelle tube, I might get a better sense of what I experienced. I don't think I'd recommend that right now. You're showing elevated levels of psilocynine. Psilocynine? It's a neurotransmitter involved in telepathy. The experience overwhelmed you the first time. I think you should wait until your levels return to normal. How long? Three, maybe four hours. This time I want someone with you. I shall accompany you, Counselor. Captain's log. Star Already making the move. This time I want someone with you. I'll do it. I'll do it. On schedule. After taking aboard medical supplies, we will depart for Parson 2. Good old Parson 2. Come in. So much better than Parson 1. Hello, Worf. Counselor, have you found anything in Lieutenant Kwan's logs? Everything I've read suggests that he was well-adjusted and optimistic. It just doesn't make any sense. God damn it, I hate people like that. (laughs) (laughs) What makes him so well-adjusted? Uridian T. I've been thinking about... I guess his parents weren't killed by Romulans. <laughs> was, he didn't have a brother that tried to make himself a, a god to his primitives. 
In the past, have your empathic experiences always involved the physical presence of another person? All the ones I'm sure of, yes. What do you mean, sure of? Well, when I was a little girl, my grandfather used to tell me stories by the fire. I would close my eyes and listen to his mind for hours on end. He would tell you these stories telepathically? My grandfather rarely spoke. He said that was for off-worlders and people who didn't know any better. Now, the only dip. time I can remember his stories <laughs> is when I go home and sit by the He was a real xenophobe. Sometimes when I'm alone there, it's almost as if I can hear his voice inside my head. Yes. Yes, I too have sought visions in fire. I can't explain it. That, it that line sounded like Worf was on a date and he was like desperately trying to agree with the other person even though he didn't really understand what they were saying. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I've, I've had visions in the fire, so I mean, I get what you're... Remember, I know exactly. remember that time we picked up Kalis, but it was just a clone? <laughs> I was in the fire first talking to him and then... Just like is what that what you mean? There are things we the do president not understand, there. yet they exist nonetheless. <laughs> That's another thing. <laughs> just just, hang off, just keep, keep, oh, keep hanging right. in there. No. If you will excuse me, Counselor. What's going on there? So he feels uncomfortable because he likes her. He doesn't want it to go any further. And then she's sort of like, but I'm having a good time talking to you, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then, here, but this is not. Right, this is not imagined. This is real. This is not imaginary. Therefore, and this next scene with Riker is imaginary. So I guess here is one of my big questions about this episode. Doesn't she fucking know how he feels? If we're supposed, if we're meant to believe, this is either another support of Andy's theory, and there are a lot in this episode that Deanna doesn't have any powers, uh, and it's all bullshit. But if she does have powers, why wouldn't she know the whole time how War feels? Maybe she oh doesn't probe people's minds unless they unless she needs to. She thinks because like otherwise otherwise there'd be so much it. there'd be so much calm traffic in her head. Fair. Right. All right. Well, maybe she. Mr. Can. Worf, let's go ahead, Cannon. Two Tilliman froths, please. Yes, sir. Ooh, Tilliman. He's breaking out the Tilliman froths. <laughs> <laughs> That look was very funny. <laughs> she looked like she was, she was already like, uh, you know, two sheets of the wind. <laughs> Your date seems very drunk, Will. <laughs> Lieutenant Corell seems to be enjoying your company. I'd like to think so. Are you involved with her? I'm not sure yet. Why are you interested in her? No, no, no. But if I were, I would, of course, discuss the situation with you before proceeding further. <laughs> I appreciate it, but that really wouldn't have been necessary. I mean, I would never want to come between you and someone you are involved with, or had ever been involved with. Is there someone in particular that you're talking about? No. Is there someone in particular you would rather I not be involved with? <laughs> the man is asking his friend if he can start dating his sister. No, no, I, I was merely... Oh, never mind. Excuse me, sir. Michael Dorn is the fucking king. 
Let me ask you this. Mm. This is a controversial question. No. All right. <laughs> you don't want to date Dorn. I have an opportunity to set you up. Well, I'm listening. The man has his own plane. Go ahead. Um, Dorn versus Spiner. Spiner mm-hmm. in terms of uh, comedic ability. Interesting question. Obviously, different different skills. Yes. You might argue just from what we've seen, you know, Spiner obviously has more range and ability to do different kinds of comedy. But I would say in terms of raw power, raw comedy power of a comedic instrument of which Dorn is most often deadpan or acting flummoxed, I would say Dorn. He plays that very well. He's often... I would say it always lands. You know, whenever they're trying to do comedy with Worf, it always lands. Right. And when they're trying to do comedy with Data, sometimes it doesn't land. Right. And I don't know if that's to the writing or to the acting. Right. It also may be an unfair comparison. And that's... But it was controversial. they probably ask... They ask Data to do more comedic moments than they ask Worf to do. But... On par. On par. (laughs) (laughs) Masaka. Yes, but only for a short time. After 90 seconds, the plasma venting system will engage to prevent degradation of the force field. Engage. I just want to take a quick look. What's the point of the force field if I can Wait, just I jump right through it? <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, it was already degraded when he jumped through it. Ah. Warning. Plasma venting system will engage in 90 seconds. <gasps> no. No. No, please. Please, please. That's uh, that's Marina's stand-in. Oh, really? On the show. Ooh, she did a really good job. She was another no, one who I think I looked up. No. I was like, oh, I should know her. And I, I think she was another one that didn't have any credits. Warning. Plasma venting system will engage in 80 seconds. Oh yes, she had a ton of she had a ton of uncredited um, parts on uh, on the Enterprise. So it's different crew members. Liana, Nora, Leonhart. I mean, I don't know if this was just Pierce's perspective, but they do seem like they're being dicks for no reason. <laughs> well, first she seems ashamed, and then he starts laughing, and then she starts laughing. Right. I mean, maybe it's just contagious laughter, you know? <laughs> if Pierce had just laughed with them, it all would have been fine. <laughs> Are you all right? Let's get out of here. 
Ooh la la. <laughs> I know a place. I know a bar. Do you remember anything else? Yes, I think I do. There was a tool crate on the floor. It was labeled Utopia Planitia. Shipyard where the Enterprise was built. It was labeled Pierce's memory. Don't look. <laughs> That's your biggest clue, Deanna! It's looking directly at me. But it was as though I was seeing through someone else's eyes. Lieutenant Quan was partially empathic. Maybe you were seeing it through his eyes. It's possible, but I don't see how it could have happened. Well, putting that on one side for the moment, let's assume that by some inexplicable phenomena, you witnessed an event. I just got an email that the putter I ordered shipped, and I only ordered the putter because uh-huh. it was, it's called the Bird of Prey. <laughs> it really looks like it. So they, that's not, it does. that is intentional, it huh? It looks like a fucking Romulan Bird of Prey. Oh, wow. Who was with her? But there was someone else there. A man. He was staring at me in the most peculiar way. I think he had reddish hair. And he did seem familiar to me. But it's also hazy. It's like trying to remember a dream. There was a woman who was frightened. How far into the episode does that scene happen? 20 minutes? minutes. Yeah. So it's halfway. Yeah. Yeah. So not as egregious as I thought when I first watched it. Still a long time. But still, a long time of nothing happening, actually. You saw her again, laughing, presumably at Lieutenant Kwan. What does it all mean? I don't know, but something terrible happened in that room. It's really imagining Beverly to be a joke. (laughs) (laughs) What does it all mean? Tell us, Deanna. You're so smart. (laughs) You know, Deanna. Deanna, I want you to figure this out. I can't figure it out. I'm just a dumb captain. (laughs) (laughs) We in the audience would have been clued in quicker, I think. Deanna, I'm in love with you. I can't control myself. Walks out and war- and uh, Riker's just on the bridge in the captain's chair trying to catch popcorn in his mouth. <laughs> she thinks he's a real he's a real teen boy. <laughs> that might be able to suppress your empathic abilities and make the experience more manageable. It would take about 16 hours to synthesize the inhibitor. I'd like to try that. But it will constantly. You don't really have to waste your it time would, on that, Beverly. I'm pretty sure you don't need to inhibit her abilities. It would take about a ticking clock to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we only have a ticking clock! we got to get this done! There were literally thousands of people involved in building the Enterprise. I thought it was one. Perhaps you should try to narrow the search parameters. I think I have. The man who looked familiar to me may have served on board the Enterprise in the last seven years, so I've asked the computer to limit its search to personnel who served at Utopia Planitia and on the Enterprise. So and why is she imagining this part in there, in this device? Like, what is the reasoning that she would imagine going through this, just to make it more authentic in her head? Like, make it more seem more real? For the audience, yeah. For the audience, I understand. Yeah. But in terms of the actual I mean, it's still, I guess, the idea is her trying to piece it together. 
it's like a dream where you're talking about doing your taxes. Yeah, it's like, you, you know. Going to your dream and you're still doing your taxes kind of a thing. It's like in the shower when something finally clicks, which has never happened to me, but I've heard people talk about it. <laughs> right. Transferred over a year ago. Lieutenant Ziff. Well, you're always afraid of drowning She's in, in the shower. Mechanics. That's him. Lieutenant Walter Pierce. FYI, I think this I would have been a good part for me also. About six months ago. You're definitely someone who uh, weird. would get laughed at. <laughs> <laughs> laughed at. Got a seating hairline. He's got a weird face. You feel so he's sad uh, about it. You'd uh, throw yourself into a warp coil. I think he's an Makes people vaguely uncomfortable. That's right. I was sorry to hear what happened. Did you ever spend time in the nacelle control room while it was under construction? I worked all over the ship. In fact, I remember running a power conduit right behind this wall here. Were you ever in the nacelle room at the same time as Lieutenant Kwan? It was a long time ago. People were working all over the place. So you do not remember? I'm sorry, I don't. Do you recall if anything unusual happened there? How do you mean? An altercation, perhaps, possibly involving Lieutenant Kwan. Or some oysters. No, nothing like that. <laughs> the way I remember it, things went pretty smoothly. What's this all about, if you don't mind my asking? Not at all. When I was in the nacelle room, I had an empathic experience. We believe the counselor may have been seeing an event that occurred eight years ago. And I saw you there. Without the presence of fire, how do you think this is possible? I'm afraid I don't. <laughs> Oh, plasma burns hot. Oh, okay. I can sense when someone's telling the truth. I've heard that. Then I'm sure that if you remember anything that might be relevant to our investigation, you'll contact me. Of course. You know, I got a good feeling about that guy. I believe him. (laughs) The strange thing is, I couldn't read him at all. But you implied that. We have played poker many times. You are so clever, Deanna, in this imagination well, of yours. <laughs> I can't believe you fooled you us You got me. Oh, boy. She also, they also, like, she's she's imagining herself as really, like, going toe-to-toe with this guy. She's, like, in a way that's like, that seems a little off character for her because yeah. that's the way she wants to see her. Just, she's so. human. That's what I don't understand. Even though I couldn't reach his emotions... I did feel that he was holding something back. I thought so as well. I agree with you. I thought that too, also first. We might find out more about him. (laughs) There may be something in them about Lieutenant Kwan as well. It's going to take about half an hour for the transmission to be completed. <laughs> why, is, why are the computers so slow in Deanna's imagination? <laughs> we should get an early start tomorrow. I think we should. I'll see you in the morning. Yes. I think we're right. Knew it was yeah. imaginary was when um, the the baldric was draped on the chair because uh-huh. you know she would have had to leave that on. 
<laughs> so my question about that scene, I know it's it's an illusion, so it changes everything. My original question before I knew it was an illusion was, and it's kind of the same thing I feel either way, what is she feeling in that moment? Because he's sort of, it's it's sort of written to almost be romantic comedy-ish of like, yeah, I guess I'll say goodnight. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you should say goodnight. Right. I mean... That's what I interpreted. I guess. As. I mean, even less, you don't want to say, you know, kind of like that kind of thing where neither person wants the night to end. I don't think that Certus is playing that moment that way. I think that Dorn is barely playing it that way, but I think she is playing it almost like she's uncomfortable or confused or distracted. Like she looks down. I understand she's looking down at his hand, but like she doesn't seem like it's like, oh, the, 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 the magnetism between that is so much that he's obviously going to do something. Did you feel that? I felt it as uh, as as I thought it was intended, which is the thing that you're saying that it's not or wasn't. You felt yeah, you felt like the the dialogue yeah. was intended, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um. So I guess I find it odd. I wanted to look it up. I wanted to look up the script, so I'm going to do that. Mm. But what it says about that scene. Why didn't we do this a long time ago? Pressure to Councillor Troy. Yes, Doctor. I've synthesized the... Uh, Worf to Alexander. So we- I'm still not home. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> so while Worf is uh, asking Riker about being in a relationship with... Uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Troy. Troy is, meanwhile, having a complete illusion about it in her head. Yeah, they're both into each other. Yeah. Hotsy totsy. <laughs> also, this explains every time Worf's ever been contacted via an open channel and why he always sounds angry. He's probably always in the middle of something like this. <laughs> Worf here. Medical supplies are ready to be taken to Cargo Bay for transport. I will be there shortly. Worf's being a real dick. Do you notice anything? It should take effect immediately. <laughs> Worf, I wanted to give you this uh, sedative. You You've been acting very strange lately. Abilities? It's hard to say for sure, but I can always increase the dosage if it's not enough. It took 16 hours to synthesize, but I can try again. Limits to all but medical personnel. <laughs> Thanks for your help, sir. You're welcome. Good morning. Counselor. Data and Jordy are already in the nacelle too. Are you ready? Yes. Excuse me, sir. About the quarantine field in the cargo bay? It looks like we'll need a second field generator. I'm needed here. I will join you as soon as I can. All right. Apparently my help was not so good after all. <laughs> she imagines she imagines Worf being charming. That's the, that's the real clue. Oh, I didn't it do such a good funny. job. It does. He's like, he's a little. No, nothing unusual. <laughs> I was thinking about the fact that because she's imagining it, it's just yeah. a comically uh, cartoonish skeleton she sees back there. <laughs> That's really true. <laughs> uh, I don't think it would be a whole skeleton. 
Oh, although they, they find it at the end, don't they? Or they just find little no, human remains? They just yeah. find like a like trace pattern Died. of organic so material. So funny. Can you open it? Sure. It'll take just a minute. Data. Uh, I have this scene. You have a scene. The scene where they get together. Just oh. to read the action lines. Yeah, please. Go ahead. Um, Troy's quarters as they cross to her desktop desktop computer. Troy sits and starts working on uh, working the controls. Worf stands over her, looking over her shoulder after a moment. Looks like it'll take about half an hour for the transmission to be completed. Worf acknowledges. He's not sure if he wants if she wants him to leave or stay and wait. Uh, perhaps we should continue in the morning. It is late. Yes, you must be tired. A little. They glance at each other. Neither of them is sure what the other wants to do. A hesitation. Well, I will say good night. She looks as though she's going to say something, then holds back. Good night. They head toward the door, stopping it before it o- stopping before it opens. We should get an early start tomorrow. Yes, we should. They look at each other. See you in the morning. Yes. Uh, see you in the morning. Yes. Another look. They hold the gaze for a long moment. Then Worf steps closer to her. Her hand reaches to take his. That's not played that way. He takes hers. Uh-huh. Uh, and guides it in a gentle caress across her cheek. Uh, he leans in to put his face in the nape of her neck. The smell of her. Their arms encircle each other as they press their bodies close. He lifts her up so that... Ooh, that's much more than in the scene. He lifts her up so that her eyes are level with his. Oh, I see. Uh, their faces draw close, closer, until their lips finally touch as their kisses become increasingly passionate. We end of Act 3. That That is not how Sirtis is playing that scene, and I wonder what the discussion was. I, and as I say, I barely think that that's how Dorn is playing it. I wonder if they were uncomfortable with this, all of this. Like they didn't think the characters would do this this fast or something but they must have known that it was all bullshit so no but i think the characters this, this has been playing up for a while they've been leading true. up to this that's fair that's not romantically until this episode though, no right? i disagree then becoming friends you no think, i think, think like you know and you know when she wants when he wants like when he's like you know i want you to take care of alexander if i'm dead and blah blah you know i think in those yeah, like that still could be friends though i mean sure I don't know. But Whatever the case. The first it's time that particular panel's been open since the ship was built. Thank you. Something happened when you removed the panel. There's something in there. I am getting readings that indicate organic material embedded in this wall. Organic? You're right. Let me reconfigure the emitter beam. We might be able to see what it is. There. It's a skeleton with a pirate's outfit on it. Dead men tell no tales. This dosage should prevent any further empathic flashes. And then a witch's hat. 
bone fragments are definitely human. I sequenced a DNA sample. I'll see if I can match it to Starfleet records. Accessing Starfleet personnel records. I'd say these fragments had been in the wall about seven or eight years. You said something happened when the panel was opened. Yes. I wonder if these fragments could have somehow triggered your experience. I'll run a resonance scan, see if anything turns up. Sir, I think we found a match. Apparently the remains are those of an Ensign Marla Finn. I'm trying to find a picture of her in the records. That's her. That's the woman I saw. It says she was reported missing from Utopia Planitia on Stardate 40987.2, eight years ago. But how did her body become embedded in a bulkhead? Maybe there was some kind of an accident. Or she was killed, and the murderer hid her remains. It is Something's what I would do. Right. <laughs> Pull up Lieutenant Kwan's service record. I thought so. He didn't arrive at the shipyard until six months after Finn's death. I couldn't have been seeing through his eyes. And whose? But it had to be someone who was at least partially telepathic. Pierce. But you saw him. It was you, Marina. Yes, but not as clearly as I could see everything else. His face looked like that. A reflection. So I was seeing through his eyes. This is clever. Finn was trying to get away from him. She was afraid of him. Sure, that it's lie. I think it is time we had another conversation with Lieutenant Pierce. Um. <laughs> do love. By the way, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I do love the jilted lover angle, and she gets laughed at. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> um, this guy, I thought I had a something big for him. And I do. It's Mark Rolston, and he is uh, in Aliens, and he's the guy who gets Secundus claim to fame. I know him from something big. He's the guy who gets acid blasted on his face. That's friends with Vasquez. Then a wolf said he wanted to talk to me about something. Where is he? He said he had to go somewhere. Troy to Wharf. Computer, where is Lieutenant Wharf? Lieutenant Wharf is in Ensign Calloway's quarters. Why does Ensign Calloway share a bunk like all those Take other Lieutenant ensigns? Take Lieutenant Pierce to his quarters and hold him there. It's even in. Uh... It's so funny to see. Stop it! Dorn laughing in the wharf makeup. Stop it! Stop Wharf can't even defend himself in his in her dreams in her. <laughs> well, that's that's accurate. <laughs> you know what you have to do. 
So why is he all snotty in her in this version? What? Why? What motivates in her imagination Pierce acting like that? More intimidating. <laughs> I guess. It seems real snotty and superior about it. I'm not sure. She only. I think she only changes into this uniform so that we get the change. Right. When he stops her. I think you're 100% right. I know what I have. Her hair is different, too. Of course I'm all right. I'm the strongest one on the ship. <laughs> Nothing can hurt me. <laughs> I opened the maintenance door at Counselor Troy's request, then turned to see her standing too close to the force field. It all seems so real to me. I can't believe that everything I experienced happened in just those few seconds. It appears Counselor Troy was correct. Pierce was partially telepathic. His maternal grandmother was born on Beta Z. What else have you found out? According to Starfleet records, Pierce and the other persons Counselor Troy identified were killed in an accidental plasma discharge eight years ago. Their bodies were never found. I don't believe it was an accident. I think Lieutenant Pierce found out the other two were having an affair. He lost control and he killed them both. Afterwards, he probably activated the plasma stream and then threw himself into it. The plasma discharge would have obliterated any evidence that it was murder. I scanned behind the panel Counselor Troy asked me to. I didn't find any bone fragments. No fully intact skeletons. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> showing some kind of psionic signature. It may be that when Lieutenant Pierce was struck by the plasma stream, the subspace energy present there imprinted his empathic pattern into the residue. Kind of like a psychic photograph. That's what oh, triggered yeah, my yeah. hallucination. We're all familiar with those. <laughs> my mind must have taken elements from my own life and then created a situation that in many ways mirrored what happened to Pierce. With an accurate reflection on how smart I am. <laughs> if you hadn't been there, I would have jumped just like he did. But luckily, you grab my shoulder, unlike Riker. <laughs> Counselor. When I pulled you from the... <laughs> I love this. Because he's like, who should I be suspicious of? <laughs> you seemed surprised I was alive. Well, actually, in my hallucination, you were killed. May I ask by whom? Well, you know what they say, Mr. Worf. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Crush her. I must kill her. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the use of that flirt if he doesn't know what happened? Or is he is she admitting it? Oh, she's I think, you know, because of his feelings and her feelings and She's talking about this thing that lasted for three days. She, you know, I think he's putting it all. So together. I guess she. But but wait, based on that conversation, 
she didn't say I imagined myself having an affair with Worf in the fantasy. She didn't tell them that, I'm assuming. Correct. I'm assuming also that you're correct in that, yeah. So then if she when she says Hell hath no fury, she's sort of doing it in a we both know what I mean kind of way. And he doesn't know what she means. Right. Well he does. Well he puts it together slowly. You know. He's wharf. He's not the sharpest tool in the drawer. <laughs> he's the heaviest. All right. There you go. Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. Uh, suppose it's Troy, right? Yeah, she's the one who sort of has the information. She figures it out in her brain. And then presents it all, and then she's right. Right. Although, Worf did save her life. Yeah, Worf was very valuable, unlike Riker. Right. Riker's the least valuable player. Least valuable Mm. crew member. Mm. Um, I'm going to give it to Worf. Because... They're trying to figure out something that's like, the other guy's already dead. Nobody helped him. That's right, Riker. (laughs) You had your chance to help someone, Riker. Yeah, your chance in earning an MVC in the opening fucking cold open. But no, you didn't. Had to wait for Worf to do it in Act 6. How many Andy's does this episode get? Wait, are you giving it to Troy or are you giving it to Worf? Then I'm going to give it to Troy. What? No, we can't do that. You made me agree with you and then you changed your mind? I mean, you know, any, any asshole who wouldn't give it to Troy. <laughs> Matt, no! I know what I have to do. <laughs> I know what I have to do! Andy's. And that is um, to uh, give this some Andy's. <laughs> I really like the... Uh, I really like the progression of their relationship. It's a little... It's, it's, it's unfortunate that, A, it's both a fantasy scene and it's a weird... <laughs> Seeing that neither actor seems to be playing it, what what is written into the scene? <laughs> um, I guess they were trying to play it subtle, but it comes off as they're both feeling like weird. I, I understand them playing awkwardness, but I just don't get it. Anyway, I do like the scene between him and Worf and Riker. I like some of the progression before. It's sort of the subtext playing out with Troy. The rest of the episode is real weird and not. And the whole thing of it, the whole second half being imaginary is very annoying. So, uh, I give it a three and a half. I give it a five. Ooh. I love seeing the interior of a warp nacelle. First time we ever <laughs> see that. All right. I liked uh, Quan. I liked all the, uh, you know, the guest actors. I thought were all very good. They were all good. I thought uh, the only thing I could have made it better was that uh, teacher professor lady from thine own self. (laughs) You just want her her popping around in every episode. Oh, if she saw that skeleton, man, she would have had some science for that. 
Obviously, <laughs> he was killed by a bear person. What? A bear person? Yes. Um, Do you think, by the way, that uh, when Spiner crosses his arms, that that was a decision that Spiner made or that the director made? Is it in the script? script? Let's find out. Oh, boy. Because that was a great decision by whomever. Whomever made that decision, you did a great job. Yeah. All the arms. I tried to do a search on arms, but it's all about... uh, Mm Mm-hmm. It's all about nestling in each other's arms. Uh, this is going to take a while. Search anyway. for neural pathway. Oh, nice. Because your neural net was still forming. There it is. Uh, yeah, it's not in the script. Well, that's just some good fun on the in rehearsal good work guys uh andy let's watch the trailer for next week's episode which is uh genesis yeah season seven relating to the season so guess who's directing this week it's gates mcfadden let's tune in find out what she got from the darkest age of time well a primeval terror is unleashed What's happening? She is no longer human. And a deadly transformation has begun. I believe the crew is de-evolving. Now who will survive? How do we reverse the process? I'm uncertain. And who will fall victim to this savage nightmare? Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. This seems like a real tough one to give Gates McFadden. <laughs> Seems like it's going to be very silly. Uh, I remember being scary when I was a kid. Well, sure. You're scared of cavemen. Cavemen, uh, spider people, lizard people, uh, Dr. Crusher doing bad medicine. Uh, I was scared of all those things. I was scared that uh, Dr. Crusher was going to sneak into your room at night and do an autopsy. Oh, that's always my biggest fear. <laughs> All right, Andy. I Maybe we should finish this up in the morning. In the morning. Was... You think we should do it in the morning? No, I was going to do that. <laughs> I know. I'm doing it. Wait, you are? <laughs> I'm going to grab your hand through Zoom. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you think we should do it, yeah. Well, I mean, it's getting late, so we should probably just. It is late. It is late. Uh, So, (laughs) see, Matt is playing it the way that it should have been played, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm playing it the way that they played it. (laughs) Uh, And scene. Disengage.